Hi, this is Lisa, and you are listening to I Love That Movie. This podcast is for movie lovers. It's not an unbiased opinion. It's not a straightforward review. It's just a couple people talking about a movie that they love. The format is each week I have a guest, and that guest and I discuss a movie that they love, something they're obsessed with, something they connect with. We'll talk about the plot, the director, and the actors, but we'll also talk about the personal connection my guest has with that movie. So if that sounds like something you want to listen to, keep listening. This is Lisa, and if you want to catch up with me on Twitter, you can find me at ILTM Podcast. I'm also on Instagram at I Love That Movie Podcast. And if you want to support us on Patreon, uh, we are on Patreon at I Love That Movie. I do want to take a moment to thank our top patrons. That's Jeff Widman, Michael Cross, and Chris Balga. Thank you guys so much. Um, and also, we have a Teespring, so if you want to support the show another way, you can support us on there and get some swag. Um, but yeah, of course, this show is completely free, and this is totally not something you have to do, but we do appreciate it. And I also want to plug DocuFest, which is coming up October 3rd through 6th. Um, it, it, this is part of Dallas Video Fest. It's in its 32nd year, actually. And DocuFest features dozens of documentary features and shorts over four days. It's at the Angelica Film Center, Dallas. And you can check out more at videofest.org. I'll also link the tickets in the show notes. Um, last thing I want to plug is we are going to be seeing House of Ghosts. Spooky! Uh, this Sunday at Alamo Drafthouse in Richardson. It's super fun. It's $5. It's going to be a live interaction show. It's very influenced by the movies of William Castle. So there will be like spiders thrown at people and ghosts and I'll be there in costume as well. So please come check that out. Uh, and I have a returning guest here, a familiar voice that you've heard several times on the show. I have David Gillespie. Say hi, David. Hey, everyone. Thanks for having me back, Lisa. Yeah, thank you for coming back. Um, so, like I said before, you've been on here a couple of times. Mm -hmm. uh, but if people have not heard your episodes before, uh, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Yeah, so I'm David. Uh, you and I go way back. I mean, like... <laughs> yeah, we're friends, like, in real life. Yeah, also. yeah, yeah, yeah. Good times, good times. <laughs> um, you know, I think the first episode I did with you was Jurassic Park. I want to say that was right. a single digit. Like, I was one of the first ten. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You were here from the beginning. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. That, that was, was like before you had your show, too. Oh, yeah. No, exactly. I was like, what is this podcasting thing? And you're like, well, you come <laughs> on and talk about movies. I love it. Let's do this thing. And now I do my own show. All, you know, of course, at the um, wonderful support for my wife. But you were an early encourager of my own show. So thanks a ton for that. Yes. And I've actually had, I'm going to kind of talk more about it here in a second. I've had your wife on as well. Yeah. And you guys have very similar movie tastes because uh, what movie are we talking yes. about Yes, so tonight or today, whatever you're listening to this, dear, dear listener. <laughs> you can listen whenever you like. Exactly. We're, we're open-minded in that way. Uh, this is, we're going to be talking about Sunshine, a 2007 space thriller. 
Um, yeah. I am such a huge fan of this. Kel and I love space movies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I was telling her <laughs> that you... I was going to come on and talk to you about Sunshine, and she, she was saying, you should talk about freaking, uh, what is it, Interstellar. <laughs> I was like, I, yes, but, you know, scary movies, October. It has let's to do be this. spooky. It's spooky season. Yeah, exactly. And though Interstellar reminds us that time is our greatest enemy, it is not spooky. <laughs> yes, it's, that's true. And sunshine is proper spooky. Well, and also when your wife was on, we talked about train spotting. Oh. So it was another Danny Boyle film. Oh, yeah. Isn't that wild? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, train spotting is amazing. And right. I mean, I, I think train spotting and sunshine are the two movies of his that I like the most. I, I know that the zombie stuff is awesome, it's just not for me. Cause mm-hmm. I bet he'd be happy to hear that though. Oh really? Yeah. Well, we can we can talk about that soon. But yeah, I think he would be very happy to hear that Sunshine is one of your favorites. That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I. You know. You know me. I'm such a sci-fi nerd. I don't think I've talked about anything but sci-fi on your show. <laughs> <laughs> we did. Yeah. We did. We also did Gattaca. Yeah. Blade Runner. Uh, Blade Runner. Yeah. 2049. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You have a niche. I mean, yeah, you know, there are other types of movies I like, but whenever it comes to, hey, Debbie, what do you want to talk about? I'm like, ah, Ghost in the Shell, maybe? I don't know. Something sci fi. Let's talk sci fi. Yes. Well, let me go ahead and I'm going to say the synopsis really fast. It's like a sentence. Yeah. Uh, but if you haven't seen this movie before, I do encourage that you stop listening and go see it. Oh, yeah. Um, the spoilers <laughs> that we're going to have are, like, big. <laughs> yes. Uh, so I would do that first. But just to give you a taste of what it's about, a team of international astronauts are sent on a dangerous mission to reignite the sun with a nuclear fission bomb in 2057. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and what a bomb. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know... Uh, Okay, it's <laughs> they do a good job of setting that part up, but I want to yeah. say when you first see what's going on, it's like, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> Why is the yeah, sun that... angry at me? Like the very first sound in the movie is this like really bestial, terrible sound. It's like what's what's so angry and then you realize it's the <laughs> sun and you're like i'm scared <laughs> why yeah, there is like a undercurrent of horror in this movie a little bit mm-hmm. but when did, when did you first see it i saw it in theaters oh you did yeah oh, wow yeah, yeah you're one of the ogs <laughs> yeah well you know um i've always really dug on sp- Base movies and okay. a friend got me to go see event horizon a long time ago i liked that movie it that movie oh man that did me in i i am not good at scary <laughs> movies really <laughs> yeah and i told him as my buddy chris was like uh, uh chris reed i went to high school with this kid and i was like dude i'm not gonna go see another space movie with you because that last one was terrible <laughs> and he goes no sunshine's not gonna be that way and i was like okay <laughs> And then it was like kind of that way. And I was like, Chris, I hate you so much. (laughs) But I loved the movie. It's so freaking good. Just I am kind of a wuss when it comes to scary. But this one, (laughs) it it brought in the scary at at the right pace for me. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I did not see this movie in theaters. Um, I saw it, I think... (sighs) I don't know. Like, I think my memories kind of blend together, but I feel like 
I might have watched it because, and I've talked about this before in our Dark Knight episode, I have a friend named Michelle that was wanting us to watch all the Christian Bale movies because he was going to be Batman. Oh. So she's like, watch all the, you know, let's watch all these movies together. And like, yes. this is when we're in our early 20s and we have like nothing to do. You have so nothing like, but time. Yeah. And so we watched like a bunch of movies. And I think she had us watch Sunshine because Killian Murphy was in the first, you know, in Batman Begins. Oh, yeah. Um, and so I think that was how I saw it. You- I know this came out after uh at least 28 days later but i'm not sure if i had seen that yet right right yeah. yeah and um this movie also came up in one of my uh leadership uh classes that i took in uh oh, wow. in college because you know there's a lot of different ways to make decisions and this movie referenced or has a very different way of making decisions than what you see in most other movies and yeah, the professor like just saw it and i think she went out and bought it. <laughs> she like clipped it and and threw it up there as like here is something other than democracy as a way of of solving problems. And it was a really cool like ah, oh, there's a neat way to solve stuff. So I I, I got to see it in in a, in another light there. And so I I'll, I want to talk about that later, for sure. Okay. So I just looked it up and Batman Begins came out in 05, So there's no way I would have had to seen it after that. But maybe it was just in that time period where I was just seeing a lot of indie films oh sure i saw this oh sure um yeah this is super indie i mean it was it it was cheap to make it it barely made money um (laughs) yeah i think it said it made like 35 million that's it right yeah and i think it only cost them like 20 something million so i mean they they like made some money but not much not much because i think uh 28 days later made like 85 million yeah so yeah i mean it's kind of like <laughs> you know it's kind of they were disappointed that's why i was saying earlier i think danny boyle would be really happy to hear you because he he's quoted as saying like people don't see my good movies mm. <laughs> and i think he felt that this was a very good film that people didn't go out and see so yeah. i do notice that when i mention it to people they're like um okay like what are you talking about or like i was telling my dad about it today and he goes oh sun you know I think he said like sunshine cleaning or like he said uh, little miss sunshine yeah. or, you know he's he mentioned like sunshine and spotless mind there's yeah. so many like sunshine related movies it's like right no 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 this is the space one that's really dark and it's like uh what i know and i i started like telling him the plot and he was like oh okay yeah and I, then he was like what are you recording today and i said that movie i just talked about he was like oh okay like i could tell like i'm just losing him even telling him about yeah, it like, yeah. it is kind of one of those films that like if you love sci-fi you just you love this movie right but if not i don't know that it has like mass appeal right you know in the same way that some like slumdog millionaire does you know right you, you know the <laughs> other thing is i'll say that this movie starts off a lot like alien does yeah, yeah, I actually read that, you know, his biggest influences were, you know, two, uh, 2001 Space oh, Odyssey and Alien, yeah. which I think both those are a good way to actually describe this movie because I feel like it has a lot of elements of both. Yeah, like, yeah, because you're on a spaceship are, and it's like yeah. a very tight-knit crew and you, re- I really got the sense that, that, that everybody was was really close to each other, like very comfortable around each other. Yeah, I think actually the uh, Danny Boyle also had them all live together. Oh, for a bit to make sure that, <laughs> that they had chemistry. That'll and do stuff. it. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. 
that's neat. Oh, that's so cool. I love when they do that kind of stuff. Like, all right, we, we need you to have just that, that sense of familiarity that you don't mind kind of being in tank tops around each other all the time because <laughs> getting sweaty and too close yeah yeah because yeah, i mean they're on this ship for a long time and they are sweaty and gross you know i mean yep. they're they're all like working in their underclothes basically yeah and pants and pants and pants too they don't they're not pantsless yeah <laughs> <laughs> um I'm going to rattle off a couple of quick facts. And if you've got something, you know, jump in. Or if you have a comment, go for that. Yeah, yeah. Um, The first one I have is that Danny Boyle was so impressed with Michelle Yeoh's audition that he told her she could choose any part in the script and he would give it to her. Wow. Uh, He was even prepared to change the gender if she had chosen a male character, which I feel like would have been another nod to Alien. Yeah. Uh, She ultimately decided on Corazon, the biologist. Yeah, I could see that being a really good fit for her. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love her on Discovery. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's oh. her, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, so, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Th- that's another thing I was going to say. It'll come up again when we talk about it. But this freaking cast. I mean, when when I was thinking about this movie, I was like, oh, yeah, that's that movie with Killian Murphy and no one else. And then when I watched it, I was like, holy crap, everyone is oh, so yeah. famous now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, what is it? Um Hiroyuki. Chris Evans. Oh yeah, Hiroyuki. Yeah, yeah. and um, uh, Chris Evans, of course, and um, God. Rose Byrne, Benedict Wong. Yeah, I mean, uh, this, Mark Strong. This is yeah, one everybody. of those movies that clearly they all took this gig because none of them had made it yet. <laughs> I don't think right. that they would. I don't think any of them would take a this budget of a movie now. You know. Yeah. It really makes you admire casting directors, right? Because yeah. it's like they saw all this potential in these in these actors and wow i mean were they right like i i don't know like i almost want them to like re-release this movie and be like see yes like, everyone in this is incredible it would do way better now just because of the the cast alone oh yeah um yeah like uh yeah. that should be something that um uh the alamo draft house does or something like exactly that. like yes, hey we're gonna should, we're gonna do this <laughs> we're gonna do this movie with cliff curtis and michelle yo and <laughs> yeah that would be so awesome and everybody will come out it's like wait this is from 2007 yeah buckle <laughs> in it's gonna get weird <laughs> yep um i also had the danny boyle and alex garland worked on the script for over a year then they spent the second year in pre-production, filmed for three months, mm. and then spent another year editing and working wow. on the visual effects. Wow. Yeah, I could see that. Um, especially towards the end, there's a lot going on. So I, I, I thought that watching it, I was like, how did they do this? Because you can tell that it's like lower budget, but it's also like... I mean, it looks so good. Like, it ages so well. Like, when I went back and watched it again, I was surprised. You know, I think that... Movies like that that age really well, and we kind of talked about this with Jurassic Park and a couple of the other ones, is that they do make use of special effects, but they're incredibly careful. It's like sparing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they the ones that they use, they're very purposeful, and it's just seamless, and it's and it, and it ages so well. And I think that, that they, they had to take that care because it was such a lower budget. Uh, I mean, it's still like millions of dollars, but it's low budget compared to other movies coming out of Hollywood that they really right, had to compared get to right. like Avengers or something. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I think too, like I, 
I had read that Danny Boyle was like so frustrated by the process of making a sci-fi. It was like so grueling. Obviously, it sounds like a lot of work. Yeah. I mean, with the only film for three months and that still took this long. Yeah. He said that he he like basically didn't want to make another one. So I, I, you I, know, and I don't think he has since. I can see that. I mean, sci-fi is hard. It's hard to get yeah. right because uh, the sets are pretty un- unforgiving, especially if it's a spaceship. Yeah. And um. It, you can't be like, I'm upset with this. Let's go find another barn. You know, like, right. let's go, let's go get a different place and, and let's throw in something interesting. It's like, no, you, you kind of, you kind of detailed all the elements in that first flyby where you saw what Icarus looks like and you yeah. can't go inventing things because you've already established how big this place is. Yeah. Yeah. I think. Yeah, I read that, like, one of the biggest challenges facing the visual effects team was creating the sun you kind of talked about earlier. Oh, yeah. Uh, It was done with CGI, and it turned out to be the longest CGI sequence ever done by London Production House. Wow. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, the sun has to look good because it's like the big climax. It's like like the villain. I mean, it's, it's big. It's angry anytime you're outside of the spaceship folks and you're on the sun side you're gonna hear this like bestial howling that's the sun and it does not like us <laughs> yeah it's it's like how do you communicate that and yeah. i think the movie did such a great it job did. but yeah i'm sure that was it very did. daunting and, and i want to say uh, that movie has visually inspired a lot of people because i agree i have seen that sun or a shot like that in so many video games like i kid you not if there's some character looking at a sun there's like this iconic sunshine shot where there's a silhouette of a person staring at the sun and they're Uh like completely enveloped in the sun basically that shot has inspired so many video games and so many other things it's like Yep, it's gorgeous. It was great, and the sun was beautiful, and it's good that they spent the time that they did to make it as good yeah. as they did. I think just in general, too, like, I think, you know, movies like Interstellar and some of the other ones, I I feel like were influenced by this movie. Yeah, yeah. Like, like you know, people that really cared about film or filmmaking, like, they see the potential even though it didn't get the coverage that some other films get it's like it's a gold mine of like things to gain uh inspiration from so good on you danny boyle good on you yeah no kidding your your director of photography was was solid like um one of the one of my favorite things it's pretty early on in the movie i think they do these close-ups of people's eyes looking at the sun yes so gorgeous just so gorgeous yeah, there's so many beautiful shots in the movie. Um, I kind of already talked about Danny Boyle, too, a little bit. You know, obviously, we mentioned he did Train Spotting 28 Days Later, mm-hmm. a movie my husband loves. Uh, the Beach, another movie I really like oh, a lot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I feel like that was a movie for a while, like, nobody had seen. And it's like, in hindsight, people are like, that was really good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And and this follows some of the same Danny Boyle stuff, right? It does. Like, like yeah. when, the, when the movie starts, guys, everything's fine. It's all okay. Don't worry <laughs> about it. Spaceship, we got a job to do. We're all going to go do it. We know what the job is. No big deal. And then, like, eh, there's one little hiccup. And then there's a second. And it's such, it's, it's such a great way of, st- of like, kind of – making you calm (laughs) danny boyle style is just great i love it 
Yeah, and I think also his writer, uh, Alex Garland, who I think they worked together on this, 28 Days Later and The Beach. Mm. And, uh, you know, he wrote uh, Dread, the the reboot of Dread, and he also directed Annihilation oh. and Ex Machina. I guess maybe he was like, you know, David Will's like, I'm not doing sci-fi anymore. And Alex Garland's like, I'm going to keep doing it. So he's <laughs> he's had some great, you know, science fiction films. I love Annihilation so much. Nice. Um, but yeah, like I think it's it's like the two of them together. I feel like is why this movie is so good. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and I mean, I still love Danny Boyle. I haven't seen Yesterday, but I really want to, and I love Slumdog Millionaire. So, I pretty much like all his movies. But I do have a soft spot for this, and I do kind of wish he had kept doing these like visually exciting and interesting type. <sighs> yeah, projects. yeah. I want to say that that was one of the things that really drew me to this movie was just mm-hmm. how much care they took in making it beautiful. Yeah. Um, and it and it's nice because there's these wonderful artistic shots. And, and really, like, breathtaking moments in the movie. And then that kind of lulls you into this sense that, yeah, it's cool. No worry. We're just going to watch these guys do a job, and it's all good, you know? Yeah, yeah. False sense of security, mm-hmm, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they really spent time on that, and that, 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 was, a, that was good movie making. Yeah. Well, let's – I, I kind of gush a little bit. Do you want to go ahead and start uh, talking about your favorite scenes? Ooh, okay. So I have – one of my favorite scenes in this movie is really that that moment when um, it's it's kind of a, a a trope now almost, and I want I don't know if Sunshine was on the front end of this or what, but when they get the radio signal, um, mm-hmm. and and it's the it's this it's the pilot in the chair. I forget her character's name. Uh, I've got it right for uh, Cassie. Okay, yeah. So Cassie is in is in the chair, and and she hears this 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 tone, and that, and they all kind of get together and talk about it. There's this. I kind of mentioned it earlier. The way they make decisions in this movie is just so neat and interesting. They all gather together, and they're they're talking, and one character is really he's just so dogged about the goal and the mission and he's you know his name is freaking mace even you know like he's this weapon that he flings himself around and um and it's just a neat way that they went about the decision making where the captain doesn't pull the captain card and say this is what we're gonna do a la star trek and all of the other sci-fi movies that i love Uh, he says no we're a group of scientists and we're gonna make the most informed decision and so the entire decision goes to our bomb tech (laughs) Uh, cassie (laughs) not cassie my apologies um uh, kappa and Mm -hmm. uh, bomb tech your job is to tell us if you want two bombs (laughs) just that (laughs) That scene was so good because there's this pre-existing tension between Kappa and Mace. Yeah. And Mace is dogged. We are not going to do this. And Kappa is, like, not a part of this conversation. He wants nothing to do with this stuff. He's the loner. And the – what is it? The um, – I think it's Cliff's character, Cyril, the the yes. psychologist yeah. that's like, Cyril. Yeah. Ah, let me counterpoint you. They're Mace. And – then Kappa's off on his side, and the captain's like, Kappa, you have to make this call. And Kappa's like, fuck. <laughs> I did not want to be the one to make this call for everybody else. Because he's mm-hmm. he is the reluctant leader in that regard. 
now. I mean, throughout the movie, isn't it? It's almost like the opposite of Alien. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good point. That's a really good point. Yeah, he never wants to take charge, but he is constantly thrust into the position of, no, you've got to be the one. You've got yeah. to be the hero here. And I've noticed that in the in watching this movie this time that, you know, um, like you're mentioning, there isn't like a clear leader in this in the same sense as in other movies mm-hmm. like it, mm-hmm. um, where, you know, in Alien or in other movies like that, it's sort of a combative like there's a leader that's wrong that we have to correct and fix. But it really is more collaborative. And that's interesting because I guess it's, you know, not a military operation, which you almost think it would be given right. what their mission is. Yeah. But who knows what state the Earth's in, obviously. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. And I think it's supposed to be, you know, international. So that's why there's, you know, the cast is varied. And um, I think it's I think that's awesome. Um, I think it's a little more realistic. If yep. the whole world's involved, it wouldn't just be America that saves it yeah you know? yeah i mean there's so a, I like a a lot of of asian and chinese specifically chinese talent on that boat mm-hmm. and it would make sense that china would make a be a big part of that effort right and i like uh i think the casting is so interesting like it like we were saying before you know they're so famous now <laughs> and the pilot you mentioned rose Byrne. like when i saw her i was like i know who that is but then i just sat there for a second going but I'm used to her being funny, right? And I was like, oh, Bridesmaids, the ugly crier. Yes, yes. <laughs> and she looks so different in this film. She's so young. Mm-hmm. And she's like baby face. Like at first, Nick was like, is that Jessica Alba? And I was like, no, but. Yeah. Like she kind of looked like that or like Alice Vikander almost. Yeah. Alicia. Yeah, she, uh, she definitely carries the like soft, the softness of the crew. Yeah. Yeah. But she's the pilot, so I think that's an interesting choice and dynamic that she has with the rest of the crew. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, I kind of got off on a tangent there, but... <laughs> no, 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 it's good, it's good. Yeah, so I, I really love that scene because it's the first time that everybody's really all together. Yeah. And you get to see how their dynamic works as a group. You've seen how they work individually in a lot of cases, but never quite as a group. And I really right. like that moment. I really like that that leadership style just as a just as a as a thought experiment like what would happen if you were in charge of something and you said nope this person who really knows a lot about i don't know engines or something that person has to make this decision that all of us are just going to go along with because i've given them that authority like what an interesting way to lead people yeah, I, I kind of like that. Yeah, right? <laughs> like, yeah, like, it's like, like, let's let the person that's actually an authority on this topic make the decision. It doesn't seem so crazy when you say it like that. Right, you know? right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and it's it's kind of cool because it, there's always this schism between Mace and Kappa. And yeah. I, I love their dynamic because Mace, his character, I hate him and then I love him, and then I hate <laughs> yeah. him, and then I'm sad for him, you know, like... Right, um, yeah. So, it's like they set him up like you think he's going to be the antagonist, but yeah. that's not what ends up happening. Yeah, and this really gets into my second favorite scene, if if we want to get right into that one. Oh, go for it. Yeah, so my second favorite scene is... Okay, um, plot-wise, we've advanced forward. The Icarus has decided to dock with the first Icarus. So Icarus 2, which is the one we start on, is connected to Icarus 1. And they all go on board and they're looking around. And an explosion happens. There's this, like, 
traumatic event, and the two spaceships are drifting apart. And four of our main characters, and they're all main because they're not that many characters, but the the four kind of, I want to say some of the strongest personalities, or at least three of them, mm-hmm. are on there. Uh, Mace, Cyril, and um, uh, of course... Um, Canada? Yeah, yeah, Kappa, and then... Oh, uh, yeah, uh, Canada. No, no, not Canada. Yeah. Uh, Canada has passed already. Oh, okay. Um, okay. He, he... Uh, Trey? The... Yeah. Is it? Yeah. No, 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 no. It's the... Or... I think it's Harvey. Oh, okay. The second Troy in command, okay. the uh, the comms officer. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, the wimp. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or you, you just... I kind of feel bad for him in this moment yeah. because I feel like that's a really natural reaction. Totally, totally. But it's also like when he realizes he's wrong, it's like, really, dude? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so in this scene, um, Harvey is their comms officer. Kaneda has already passed away, and that's mm-hmm. a cool scene that we may be talking about later. But um, Harvey is now the captain, and he does not have the steely resolve that Kaneda has, right? I mean, Kaneda At is all. like this super focused, super in tune with who he is person. And and Harvey is like, he's second in command because America wasn't going to allow <laughs> <laughs> too many non-Americans being in charge. And, um, you know, Harvey is this comms officer. All of his comms towers are gone already, so he doesn't really have a job other than being captain. And we're in this moment. He's late to the show because he was down in this thing. And he shows up and Kappa is already in the only spacesuit that they have yeah. to get from the old Icarus to the new Icarus where everybody else is still at. <laughs> and Kappa's in the spacesuit, and this thing is this huge, hulking, golden thing. It's so crazy looking. <laughs> it, I love it. Yeah, it is It is insane. And you can just tell it's the most difficult thing in the world to use. And Harvey, like, you can just see his face fall. He's like, why is Kappa in that thing? <laughs> <laughs> that's where I should be. And Mace, who has been so dogged against Kappa this entire movie, you know, nominating nominating Kappa to go out onto the space, out into space to fix the shield, nominating yeah. him to do all these things, you know, like really getting onto Kappa. And now he's like, nope, Kappa's making it across because Kappa's more important than the rest of us. Yeah, he's got the bomb, so right. they need him. And yeah, I agree. I think that's interesting. Because yeah. he tries to pull the captain rank, right? Harvey mm-hmm. does. Like, I'm the captain now. I, I, I get to live. <laughs> I will do everything in my power to get you guys back. And Mace is just not having any of it. And yeah. I love it. I absolutely love it. I think that's where Mace really proves himself, though. Because, yeah. like you said, I think... In the beginning, you kind of got the feeling that he doesn't like this collaborative way of leadership. And yeah. you, you even think maybe he's used to, like, maybe he's military or something. And yeah. He's like, there really needs to be a clear leader here. Like, I do not subscribe to this. And, like, the idea of somebody sort of being neutral Switzerland like Kappa is, is irritating to him. <laughs> when people's lives are, like, literally on the line. The entire like, the whole world planet. Is die. Yes. Oh, and you didn't even... We, we forgot to mention he uh he also i think the main reason he hates him is because when they were all recording those messages oh yeah kappa went on for so long that mace never even got to make one yeah he never got to send his, yeah yeah he didn't get to say goodbye to his family like that was 
horrible and selfish. Like, I yes. could not get over that part. But Oh, yeah. No, I, you know, I, so you kind of understand where he's coming from. Yeah, when, when I realized that the reason why Mace hates Kappa is that Kappa sat in the box recording his message for like an hour. And it's the only place sure. they they can record messages. It's like, yeah, I'd be mad too. Yeah. <laughs> I'd probably it's... beat a guy up. <laughs> yeah. And so it's like, and then on top of that, he's so like, not wishy-washy, but he's just, like you said, he's reluctant. Yeah. And so it's like, yeah, it would be tempting to make somebody reluctant, like have to do everything. <laughs> totally. Yeah. 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 And, uh, you know, I agree. Like Mace, I, I had my opinions of Mace changed so often throughout this movie. And I think that's why yeah. I like him so much. Is yeah. because I was surprised by him. Yeah, he's nuanced and complex. Like, yes, he has sort of a code mm-hmm. that a lot of people have. Yep. Um, but he's flexible in that it doesn't mean that he's so, you know, dogged that he can't see outside of it. Like, he starts to understand Kappa halfway through. And, yeah. like, it changes his actions. And then by the end, you just he's he's a hero yeah 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 and, and i what i love about that is you know when the when the captain decided that kappa was going to make the call mace didn't say anything else and when kappa made the call mace disagreed but he went along with it you know i mean he didn't he was like all right well this is what we're doing and after everything after that he acted as okay this is the plan you've all put me on this road and i'm going to see us through this road to the end, I might complain every so often, but I'm going to yeah. go through with it. And I just, I really liked that character. I think the Captain Kaneda is my favorite just because of the way he leads. But Mace was a really, really good character. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I do. Yeah. Well, Kaneda's really cool. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's just so cool and so heroic. And yeah, it's like, he's, he's an awesome character too. Yeah. Um. And I have a third and maybe final favorite scene. Okay. Okay. So my my final favorite scene is uh, right after this, the ships have departed and Cyril is left behind. He was the one that had to blow the hatch so that they would be launched across to the other spaceship. Uh, spoiler alert, um, <laughs> Harvey dies. He doesn't make the journey. Yep. <laughs> but Mace and uh, Kappa do. Anyway, Cyril stays behind, and Cyril has been acting a little weird. But by this point in the movie, he has sunburns all over him because he keeps going into the sun... Sun simulation? Yeah, the sun... I think it's an observation room. I think he's actually looking at the sun, and they have this, like, really intense filter on it. And he's been, like, taking the filter away throughout the movie so that he is getting actually sunburned while he's on this spaceship well and also when uh Kaneda dies doesn't he ask him what do you see yeah. what do you see like over and over again yeah. it's like none of the crew picks up on it but like that is a bizarre question yeah okay so let's about. let's talk about that so yeah the captain has a private he has a a, a classified video that only he has access to that shows him that the that the captain of the first attempt, Icarus One, yeah, because there was a there was an attempt already, yep. which is interesting. That I think that's also a little bit alien like, yeah. In the sense of like, <laughs> you know, huh? Some people didn't make it. What yeah. happened there? You yeah, know? and so you're yeah. kind of walking in with some suspicion. That's one of the first Danny Boyle hints that maybe not everything's okay. 
Yeah. Because there's we're on Icarus too to solve this problem. It's called Icarus. That's concerning, and we're headed towards the sun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so the captain and Cyril, the, both the the doctor and the captain, are really kind of obsessing over the sun. I love that part of this movie. It's like one of my favorite things about this movie, actually. Yeah. I, I kind of, I mean, maybe obsessing is wrong. Maybe they're kind of worshiping it like it's a god. Yeah, it's like, they don't really explain it. But when you think about it, like, it's got so many levels to it. Because, like, the sun's dying. Yep. So everyone on Earth is, like, desperately wishing for the sun again. That's why they have that room where they can see, like, the ocean. Yeah. And calm down. Because they're so, and they're really far away from the earth they're never going to go back yeah this is like a suicide mission and i feel like the further they get away from the earth and the closer they get to the sun like the crazier they go period like the fights get worse between all of them and they start you know wanting to like they go in that room where they see the earth again that makes them feel better and i feel like the sun because of the fact that it's dying because it's literally a life giver that they desperately need i mean that's what the sun is like that's part of what's making them so obsessed with it yeah and and when you think about it like from a logic standpoint you know there have been many cultures that worship the sun and that yeah kind of makes sense right because the sun literally is why you're still getting up every day yeah. so it's like you could look at it like okay this is a biological you know process or you could say the sun is literally giving me life. Mm-hmm. It's my God, you know? And so it. I think it plays on that so interestingly because, you know, for an earth that's dying, the sun becomes even more important, right? So like, yeah, and then it just feels like the closer they get to it, they get this sort of, I don't know, like grandiose, like delusional view of the sun being like so important and like, godlike yeah. and how they're gonna sort of become god if they can get close enough i don't know yeah. if that's because you're not ever supposed to really see the sun or what is driving that but it's just kind of a cool almost supernatural aspect to the movie that's not really explained yeah you i know yeah i think it's it's kind of neat because I, one i don't like movies that explain every little thing yeah um i like the ability to kind of imagine what the symbolism is here but i i agree i think that you know this is a world where the sun is dying and literally everybody on earth is going to die because of that yeah and so that places the sun maybe a little bit more important (laughs) than like politics and other things that people care about and it it Mm kind of does become its own place of reverence um yeah and so i can totally see you know some people on this ship getting into that. And I kind of wonder if Kaneda and Cyril are trying to understand what the past crew went through. Like, yeah. cause in that video, it's kind of, it's, it's kind of explained that there's some, some revolutionary, um, theological thought going on here. And I kind of wonder if both of those characters are like, what is with this? Do I, I want to see more about this. Yeah, instead of being like, huh, the other crew tried this and went insane and didn't make it. That doesn't bode well for us. They're like, oh, I'm sure they were right. <laughs> Let's explore that. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But it, I, I do think there's something about like being so far away from the Earth 
and so far away from everything and, you know, facing your own mortality and literally the end of civilization that has them thinking these bigger, you know, thoughts, existential crisis thoughts. Yeah. You know, so it's like you kind of could view it either way, like something is really happening or, you know, is it just desperation? It kind of reminded me a little bit of just saw uh, Ad Astra. Mm. And I feel like there's some of that in that movie of like the further you get away from the earth, maybe the crazier you go, you know, because it's like you're so far away without giving any spoilers away. Right. Um, yeah. So I think that it's it's kind of neat that, that both of those characters had that obsession and that Cyril was like, tell me what you see. <laughs> yeah, you're like, whoa, bro. Yeah. And, it, and, it, yeah. and, and you know, Kaneda dies with this like horrible gut-wrenching sound. And you get the idea that he's just being like pulled apart by his atoms or something like that. Yeah. And then later, my third favorite scene is Cyril does the same thing. Yep. And what it is, is he goes back to, okay, so Icarus 1, it's really kind of bizarre and beautiful. Um, they go into the sun observation room, and almost the entire crew from Icarus 1 is in that room, mm-hmm. and they're all long dead, ashened-bodied, burned by the sun. Yeah. And it's like, they fully removed the filter, looked directly at the sun when they were super close to it, and they all died. Um, and they're all in this like really gentle repose, like um, uh, was it Pripyat or whatever the the city in oh like Pompeii Pompeii there we go thank yeah, you so, yeah. yeah and like Pompeii oh, um, yeah it definitely reminded me of that yeah and uh, Cyril goes back into that room while Icarus two moves itself out of the way of the shield and lets the full light of the sun come in and he goes uh-huh. through this same like terrible (laughs) just sounds horrific death but he does so willingly i think because he is so wrapped up in his curiosity about the power of the sun and 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 what it means to them and all of that stuff yeah i think yeah i definitely feel like even though they don't fully explain it there is sort of a a metaphor with all that i mean i know there's an obvious one of like icarus flew too close to the sun but I feel like that's too easy. I I think it is like this quest to, I don't know, get too close to something you're not supposed to be close to. Yeah. It's like too powerful to comprehend and be near. Yeah. It kills you maybe. But yeah, like, which I guess is Icarus. But anyways, like, I also feel that, like you mentioned about Pompeii, it's like there's all these little elements that sort of make the whole thing feel kind of ancient. Um. And just like timeless, even though it's in the future and it's in outer space. And I really like that part of it. Yeah, like like all of the people, they start off so relatable. And as they go, you kind of see how they develop and you kind of see how, how even though they're in a sci-fi movie, they as people are very realistically portrayed. And I, yeah. I would even say that of Kaneda and Ciro who get into this like, kind of crazy worship thing because i don't know folks there are crazy worshipers out there that like really get passionate about their thing and that is a legitimate like way of existing and i think that it's so cool that they that they allowed for that to happen like none of the characters in this movie were alike there's a lot of characters in here 
Um, and they're all so different and they all kind of evolve and change throughout this movie in, in really uh, believable and, and, and striking ways that I think kind of calls back to uh, a sense of our own humanity, a sense of our own uh, failings and weaknesses and all of that stuff. Yeah, I mean, you've got to think, like like you said earlier, if, if everything's over, I mean, I think it just has you thinking big picture. And yeah. so it would make sense for a couple people to go, you know, I guess religious, but I think it's kind of cool that it, it happens in sort of a, a different way. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't just pick like, oh, you know, pick, pick Christianity or right. Islam or something that you know, I think is more relatable today. Instead, it goes kind of ancient with this sun worship. It's uh-huh. not really defined, yeah, but it's understandable. And it's kind of like, I don't know, it's just kind of an interesting angle of the film. Yeah. 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 Agreed. I, I, I really do. I really do dig on that. Like their, their approach to it is just so neat. Um, and, you know, I, I just, I just love that part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a really cool scene. Yeah. I totally agree. Um, I want to say, you know, for the folks out there that like sci-fi, sometimes people like sci-fi because they like all the science in sci-fi. Yeah. This show, this movie, is a little light on the science fact stuff. Yeah, I was reading a critique of it today that's like, oh, in the first part of the third act, it goes bananas and like, it's too horror and it's silly. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't agree with that. Yeah. But I do agree it's not really hard sci-fi. Right. In the sense that don't expect it to like make 100% sense. Like, even the plot itself is kind of, you know, iffy with this whole, like, we'll just blow up the sun and that'll restart. Yeah. It. It's like, they don't really explain that. And that doesn't sound right to me. But, yeah. you know, like, you, you kind of have to just suspend disbelief. Well, okay, there, so yeah. apparently there's this whole, um, like, there's apparently a, a really intense explanation from the scientific advisor for this movie about, oh, yeah, about like. <laughs> cue ball poisoning of the sun and all this stuff and like i didn't hear any of that in the movie so right like they like you assume watching it that it has something to do with climate change i think that's like a natural conclusion but they specify that this has nothing to do with that right it is the sun dying which our sun wouldn't do um but then like you find out that their science advisor had this whole like cue ball thing i don't know it's i i don't really fully understand i wonder if he was just like anti-climate change so he's like that can't be why it has to be some other weird convoluted reason i don't know know. i'm not a scientist so i don't know yeah i I don't know either but yeah it was it was this like really uh kind of out there thing and i'm sure that like i don't know maybe somebody out there in the audience knows what a cue ball is and would comment and tell us well actually it's a real like phenomenon in science and here's what it means and uh, i started reading about it and i was like um i'm good yeah (laughs) (laughs) i tried yeah yeah i'll call this try yeah so um okay my last my last like kind of moment in this Uh movie and this is where sunshine stops being kind of its own unique special brand of amazing sci-fi thriller horror Uh and it goes to one of the tropes that i don't like about horror (laughs) and i think you know where i'm going with this when i I feel like i do when the ship which has this like amazingly 
attractive, breathy female's voice the entire time. And I was just like, how do any, yeah, how does anybody Jibo get anything? Chung is his, her name. Yeah, how does anybody get anything done on the ship? I don't understand. But <laughs> um, but Kappa is sitting there working on his bomb, and the ship says, "You are dying." And he says, "Well, yeah, but we're gonna still get to the bomb site." And she's like, "No, you're not gonna get to the bomb site." He goes, "Well, we did the math. We have enough oxygen." No, you don't have enough oxygen. Four crew members, we have enough oxygen. Five crew members. Wait, what? And this is the moment where we have to kind of give a little bit of like, all right, this is the standard horror movie thing. (laughs) (laughs) You find out this like completely terrifying, game-changing truth that there is an extra crew member who's not supposed to be on the ship. It's unaccounted for, and they're on the ship. Kappa, being Kappa, I guess, decides... I'm going to go figure out what's going on by myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true, true. And this is the one moment where I'm like, if it were in me. <laughs> <laughs> Using logic. I or, would. Yeah. I I am not brave enough to just go and check out a stowaway on my starship all by myself. I'm going to bring some backup. <laughs> well, yeah, and I feel like just in general, the whole story had this sort of it felt grounded in reality, even with all the hallucinating, like you could kind of explain some of that away. You could be like, well, like we said earlier, like they're dying, you know, they're going to die. They're on a suicide mission. Yeah. The world might be ending like, but then it kind of takes a hard left with Mark Strong's villain character. Yeah. Because you saw him in all the videos and he was saying crazy rambling and yep. like, he just sounded like somebody who had detached from reality. Right. But turns out he did and didn't because he's still around somehow. <laughs> yeah, he's alive. And there was a hint. I oh, I watched it again for you and I's uh, recording of this, right? There's a hint. When they go and check out the sunroom, right, on Icarus 1 and there's all those bodies in the, in the ash and all that kind of stuff, there's a shape of a person. On the in, and the person's not there. Yeah, there's a shape of a person imprinted on the back wall, like they got hit, but their body isn't there anymore, and everybody else's bodies are there, right? So this guy yeah. was like crazy burned, and then his body's not there anymore. And I think that was the captain, and that was Danny Boyle's little hint that hey, there's somebody's body who's not here, but their imprint was still in the room. Hmm. And also, did he, was that part of the mission or did he go so crazy he was like, let's all see the sun now? I don't know. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I have this whole, like, uh, rewatching it, I've kind of gone back to a couple of things. You know, talking about um, uh, Corazon, the biologist, uh, Michelle's character. Mm-hmm. She he kills her right. He's got this like scalpel and he stabs her in the back and she's like yeah. not able to reach it and it looks terrifying. Oh, oh. It's like right when she found like a little plant. Oh yeah, it's so like, a little glimmer of hope so, after the whole so heartbreaking. All the plants burned up. Yeah, yeah, so heartbreaking and it's like right in her back where she can't get to it and it's like ah, it just makes my whole body like cringe in pain. And he he lays her down, like don't fight it, don't fight it. Lays her down. And then later on, she's in this, like, really nice pose. Yeah, holding the plant. Yeah. Interesting. And I don't know, did she pick herself up? Did he put her in that position? Yeah. If he put her in this position of reverence, did he do the same thing to his old crew? Yeah. Interesting. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. It just seemed like 
in that room, in that sunroom, everybody seemed so resolved to what was going they're all sitting there facing it none of them are cowering yeah. none of them are but hiding maybe they were all dead and then he <sighs> turned the sun on i don't know yeah. i don't maybe yeah, they all went loony i don't know but it's so yeah, it could go either way i love that he didn't answer the question right mm-hmm. they don't answer that but it raised it's such a cool detail that raises so many questions for me did they explain how he got to the other ship i don't recall that so, or is it just kind of like so oh, go ahead as soon as Kappa finds him in the room. There's all these flashbacks of like oh, yeah. th- when they get on Icarus one and they regulate and, and uh, uh, gravity is returned. This like canister falls down a big well, making a bunch of noise. Right. And that would have uh-huh. told the captain that something was up because he's been <laughs> on a completely silent ship for a decade or something. Yeah. And then they show the explosion and they all originally thought it was the suicidal physicist that did the explosion that separated the two ships. Uh-huh. But when Kappa sees the new captain, they kind of do all these little things to remind you, oh, remember all these weird things happened? <laughs> yeah. <that's right. laughs> Maybe these are now this guy's fault. Um, and mm. yeah. Yeah. Then we're straight into a horror slasher film because this guy's going to hunt down and kill everybody. Yeah, I think it's interesting, like, to blend both of those things into the same movie, but I could also understand being very into the sci-fi part, feeling like this part is a little wacky. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, I like it, but I get it. One of the things I do like about it from a sci-fi perspective is it's one of the few ones that does a really good job of showing us exactly how horrific space really is. Yeah. Like most movies and things that happen in space, yeah, you don't see a lot of people go into space like without a spacesuit. <laughs> you, right. you don't see how horrifi- horrifying it really is. And when we watch Harvey die, we watch him die in space. And they do they took so much care in making that really clearly horrific. Like he's already dead in space. And they go ahead and show you watch his body get shattered by a random antenna thing. Yeah. And then they show his body get burned up by the sun. And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Folks, this is horrifying. <laughs> Space is mm-hmm. horrifying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I loved that. I was like, yes, finally a show that is like shows us just how inhospitable the void of space truly is. Mm-hmm. I think the best space you know sci-fi does yeah but you're right it's rare yeah Yeah. it's rare to see it's rare to see um yeah and you know i just it's so funny because the movie takes this slasher turn right at the end that you don't see coming and then all of a sudden we're straight up slasher everybody's separated people are running for their lives and freaking mace in all of this doesn't care he's like i've got to fix the computer so i'm gonna kill myself trying to fix the computer because it's the only thing i know to do right now yeah and uh, obviously that's his hero moment that's a heroic sacrifice but it was just i don't know it was just one of those things where i was like oh wow we're in a slasher film now i hate this because i don't like slasher films (laughs) but it went really really well uh yeah it was it was uh satisfying i mean the the bad guy's not gonna win so that that helps but right yeah, and it's like 
also the stakes are a little different than in a slasher film because right. realistically all these characters are going to die. So like, yeah. yes, the the only real stakes are not accomplishing their mission. So if they do that, even when they die, you're like, well, okay, I'm okay then. Yeah. Because they got to like do what they needed to. And one of the things I loved about this is Cassie's character, or Cassie, uh, uh, Rose, Rose uh, Byrne? Rose Byrne. Yeah, yeah Rose yeah. Byrne's character, Cassie. She is not your standard woman in a slasher film. She yeah. stalks him. She hides. When her moment to strike comes, she stabs him, yeah. I think, a couple of times. And <laughs> and then runs smartly to the bomb where her mission is. And then waits. And is just like, Cassie. God, yeah, finally, a character, a, 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 like a woman character in a, in a slasher film that isn't meant to just trip and get stabbed. Yeah, she's not a scream queen. No. She's not like, a, yeah, she's not just like another, like part of the body count. Right, yeah. right. Oh, I love that part so much. I was like, yes. Oh, thank you, Danny Boyle. <laughs> <laughs> He's so good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so the very, the very, very end, right? Kappa has has marched himself through with this golden spacesuit all the way to the bomb that has been disconnected and is flying into the sun and they have this <laughs> big f climactic fight with Cassie and Kappa fighting off um the the, the captain of Icarus 1 and uh the the th the where they grab his arm and his body's all jacked up from the thing and his arm starts to pull off. Ugh. Oh my god. Like they put some money into that <laughs> moment cuz oh, oh. And like you never really get a clear view of the captain, right? Yeah. Like he's always this like you get you get fractions of a second and it's always just blurred and distilted and that's that moment is just bleh, just gross. <laughs> yeah. Um and like gravity's all weird, right? Because mm -hmm. Kappa falls down and it looks like he's going to fall to his death, but then gravity changes and he's like on the ground now. I don't know. Is a weird. And then he goes <laughs> and like lights up the bomb. And I don't know. Like this is where it all gets super metaphysical and it gets really like, all right, we're, we're, we're now like full throated sci-fi metaphysics where reality is, is a, is a, is a construct in cat in, in um uh, sorry is a construct in kappa's mind and we yeah. all get to kind of see his brain's last thoughts <laughs> yeah it's kind of like is that happening or right. is that what he perceives to be reality like you're saying like yeah right it's kind of it's kind of a question mark right yeah yeah and i i do like that they because i think they could have ended there you know they could have ended with the bomb goes off, we think, and Kappa is in there like staring at the sun and then the sun eats him like it has eaten everybody else. How ironic too, like those other people are like obsessed with getting that close, but he's actually the one that does. Right. I mean, interesting too. And he and, and oh and he and Cassie both have the same dream. Oh, that's right. Then that's another you know, hint that is it the sun? Is it the power of the sun? Right. That is influencing all their emotions. Yeah. Which, you know. Yeah, because it's influencing their dreams. Know. Both he and Cassie yeah. always have the dream that they're falling into the sun. And then they do. Almost like it's compelling them to. Yeah. yeah it's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. 
And then, like, they go ahead and give us a shot of the Earth where the sun does get brighter, and it's like, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, and it echoes back to that message he left to his family, too, of, like, right. you know, you're never going to see me again, but if you wake up one day and it's a little brighter, and I think they even replay that. Yeah. Uh, you'll know that I made it. Yeah. And so it's, like, it's a really nice wrap-up. So for having, like, a thriller horror vibe, I mean, it doesn't really have a thriller horror ending. Right. I mean, it's, like... Don't worry, guys. Earth is good, which I like, too, because like a lot of times these, you know, dystopian futures, I mean, they don't have a good end. No. <laughs> yeah. I think most of the like when you and I talked about Blade Runner, it's like, yeah, that world still sucks. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's like, well, it's the future and it's worse. Yeah. The end. yeah. yeah. Whereas this one, it's like, no, actually, they they did do it. It was terrible for them. Sure. Awful for all of them. But but it actually worked out for the rest of us. So so in that neat. Yeah. Yeah, and that and that yeah, it does. It has a nice wrap up, a wrap up that you know, alien and aliens don't doesn't have either. You know, yeah. it's just it, it's unique in that way for sure. Yeah, and I think that they kind of knew that they were only going to do one of these, right? Right. There's never going to be a Sunshine <laughs> Two. Uh, they're never going to reboot this one. You know, <laughs> like right. This needs to be a self-contained story, and let's go ahead and and say that they won, and that is right. a okay. Yeah, random thought when you were talking about the arm thing made me think of 127 hours, oh, which I refuse to see. Oh, <laughs> I've never seen oh, it. I'm like, I can't handle you it. Know, but I wonder oh, if. Okay, like, okay. yeah, yeah. Okay, so my anxiety in watching Sunshine spikes as soon as <laughs> Icarus says, five passengers. And he's like, five passengers? Immediately. All the I goosebumps. I have to pause it. I seriously like I have to pause the movie and walk away. 127 hours, same thing. When he's like, "All right, I got to do this," I'm like, "Ah, you know what? Let's pause." <laughs> Everyone has a different threshold, and that's what's so interesting yeah. about you know like horror or just like what makes people uncomfortable. Like, there's some movies I just can't watch, and that's one of them. Like those movies, or like. Any movie where there's a disaster, like when people are like, oh, this movie about an earthquake that kills everybody. I'm like, I just, you're so powerless. There's nothing you can do. I don't want to see that. Yeah. You know? So yeah. it's like, I, I just can't handle it. Yeah. Um, there's so many other crazy things I can handle, and yet I can't handle that. So I, t- I totally feel you. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I am thankful that this movie, I'm not watching this movie in the theaters anymore, and I can pause it. I can walk away, get like a water <laughs> a or breather. something. Yeah. I'd be like, all right. Next five minutes. Let's go. Five minutes. That's all it is. <laughs> There's a part of me that like wishes I could experience it that way. Like I don't like we were thinking about this the other day. Like what's the last movie I was truly afraid? Mm. There's been a couple movies that, you know, I'm trying to remember. I think what Nick and I saw us at home, but it was like late at night and I literally like afterwards I just felt so uncomfortable and unsettled and I had like a nightmare that night wow. that's happened a couple of times yeah <laughs> and Nick has to like wake me oh, up no. and, I, and, I, and I, yeah he's like he's like I can tell you're like struggling in your sleep like mm, like moving around it'll wake me up and I'm like oh and he's always like are you okay and like I can tell he like feels bad we even watched it because I'm like <laughs> but I'm like no I knew it was gonna happen I just braced for it yeah <laughs> like I'm that I'm that like used to it to where it's like I walk into a film sometimes knowing I'm going to have a horrific nightmare and I'm okay with that for some reason I can't tell you. Yeah, you know, there's there's <laughs> there's two things that get me. And definitely Danny Boyle's approach to introducing anxiety, whew, that gets to yeah. me. And then like embarrassing moments for characters on TV. <laughs> 
like I just can't handle it. I gotta get up and leave the room. My wife teases me about it. <laughs> Kelly, she teases me about it all the time. She's like, "Do you need to leave the room?" It's like, "I'm I'm already out the door. I don't know what you're talking about." Like, <laughs> I can't do this. Goodbye. Yeah, I don't want to watch somebody ruin their high school life <laughs> over <laughs> it's this. Not fun. For yeah, me. exactly. Yeah. I don't enjoy this moment. Um, and uh, but yeah, the way that the way he introduces the anxiety, it just ratchets it up. It's like. I don't know. My, my heart gets fast, you know, the adrenaline's pumping and it's just like, I have to take a breather if I'm going to continue this movie. Otherwise I'm going to yeah. stop the movie and not watch it the rest of the night. Cause it, it overwhelms me. Yeah. And there's just some element of body horror too, that I think I <sighs> yeah. forgot about. Yeah. I'm going to watch it again. And then when you think about some of his other films, you're like, Oh yeah, I guess that makes sense. It's like, he's becoming the director to me that makes movies like yesterday. And so it's like, I, I forget like, movies like this and i'm like oh yeah like yeah. that happens yeah. yeah so it's just yeah it's 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 good but you have to be in the headspace to want to see that uh-huh. <laughs> at the same time uh-huh. uh-huh yeah and i i think that's one of the things that really draws me to this movie um yeah if we want to get into the why why you love movies part yeah sure go ahead yeah. what what, what keeps you coming back to this film yeah so one i am a i am a sucker for Space movies that try and remember the human element and try mm-hmm. and remember that it's not all Star Trek. Uh, you know I love Star Trek. You know, we've talked about that. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I love, love Star, Star Trek. Trek but there's another part of me that's like, ah, David, that's a lie. Because <laughs> space is hard. <laughs> space is terrible. And um, I like that this movie does that. It's such a cool way of being true to what space is. It's a terrifying place that will kill you the second you let it. You, you turn your back on it. And the other part about it that I like about this is it's the one slasher movie that I will watch because <laughs> it's not a slasher movie until the end. And then it goes ahead and lets me just experience an entire slasher movie in like 15 minutes yeah, yeah, very quickly. <laughs> instead of making me suffer for 90. Um, so uh-huh. I, it's, it is, it is really well done. It artfully moves from one type of movie to the next. And I like that. I, I think that some people don't like it when movies completely change what genre they are in the middle of the movie. I think that's mm-hmm. interesting. I think that's fun. And I, I love that Sunshine did that. Yeah, I'm open to that. And I think, you know, when you say you like sci-fi that I guess is a little bit more grounded or, or returns to this idea of like, okay, it's about humans. I I agree. I think like sci-fi should sort of be a metaphor for what the story is actually about. Like it's just putting you in a different environment dealing with the same problems yeah and when it does that i i tend to connect with it more because it's more relatable and i think this movie does a good job of that i'm a sucker for any time there's all this you know science and uh space and yet they introduce like this religious sort yeah. of bent to it yeah uh, the fact that it's an ancient religion like pretty much like predating Christianity. Oh yeah. Sun worship is, is OG religion (laughs) for sure. And and I like that because it sort of puts it under a different lens of like, it's just human to sort of gravitate towards these ideas and try to explain our existence and have some sort of immortality and like how appealing that would be, especially if you're literally dying. Right. So I just, I, I love all that. And I like the mystery you know, of like not having all your questions answered. I feel like we say that at the end of every episode we've recorded together. But <laughs> yeah, I just, I dig not having all the answers because I want to go home and just think about it. 
And uh, when I watched this movie again last night, I mean, I've seen it multiple times. Yeah. But when I watched it again, it had been years, honestly. And so I it was almost like watching it for the first time. Yeah. And I had like different thoughts and different questions. And, you know, I just I'm a different person from when sure. I first saw it. And, so and you notice different things. I mean, this movie has so many layers to it. You're not going to see everything on the first pass. Yeah. And uh, like uh, the the captain, the, his, the, the, the insane guy, when, when he's when, <laughs> when they find him on Icarus 2 and he has this like this sermon he gives. Right. That there will be a moment when there is only one one man, man left. Man, yeah. And then that moment will pass. That is so like existentially terrifying to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like clearly that is true. Like clearly like we're not going to live like those species is ever going to live for an eternity. That's impossible. Right. So he is factually right and I hate that. And it just spin tails you into this like existential dread thing because you can't right. you can't say he's wrong, but you certainly don't want to be around for that moment. So, like, yeah, it's like he came to the conclusion of like we're not going to make it anyway. So like, what is the point here? Yeah, and it's like ah, he's not wrong, but yeah, yeah, I'm still deeply unsettled by that and not yeah. going to take that as my own ethos. Thank you very much for playing. Yeah, I reject that. Yes, exactly, yeah. exactly. But right. I. God, I I agree completely. It's one of those things that they really did cram a lot of layer into this. And about that sun worship, I think, is one of those layers that I missed way early on when I was first watching this. And this time around, I was, oh, me too. I was like, man, there really is like, they aren't just being weird. Like if I don't. Yeah, I thought they just went nuts. Right. And then when I watch it again, I'm like. Oh, no, there's something else going on here. Yeah, yeah, and Danny is saying yeah. something here, and it's, you know, it's 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 that, I think it's that humans really can't wrap our head around absolute power like a sun. Yeah, and s- or, e- or even around death and extinction. Yeah. Like it's not possible for us to accept. Yeah. We're, like, programmed not to, you know? Yeah, so we have to code it in this, like, filter of you know divinity or or otherworldly power or you know it starts to shape how you see the world and it's just mm-hmm. i just i just love that about this this movie it's just so neat the way it, it 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 explores that in front of us but does not tell us anything more like outright yeah 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 and i think uh it that sort of message about that that sort of idea of like we could all go away and that would actually be okay sort of message that uh, the, the, the captain Mark Strong has kind of reminds me of some of the messaging in Annihilation a little bit. Oh, um, yeah. It, you know, because I felt like that movie was like, we think of cancer as bad, but is it really bad or is that how we interpret it? Like, I felt yeah. like there was some interesting concepts that are hard for people to wrap their minds including myself and so i kind of like when movies do that they're like what if you viewed it like this like we're always viewing the end of humanity as bad understandably what if it isn't in this context of right you know yeah it's going to happen yeah what happens instead of just yeah yeah like what happens when a character doesn't see that as a bad thing and goes ahead and lives a life where that's not bad how do you feel about that character 
now that you and see not them. in an obvious like i'm thanos yeah <laughs> way but like in a, a headier way i guess right you know right not not in a i guess not in just a traditional villain sense because yeah you're you're right what you said earlier the villain really isn't necessarily mark strong it's just the sun you know the sun compelling him yeah to like things. i yeah. i wanted to say that you know the movie is also kind of a monster film and the monster is the sun yeah and like it's one of those kind of like oh wow there's a whole new framing for this entire movie when you think of the sun mm. as the monster that they are right. all charging towards with a stick of dynamite <laughs> you know like you're the <laughs> yes. you're the eight people that have to do this job and good luck right so how what's your like elevator pitch for this movie we'll, we'll pretend there's a lot of floors if you need yeah that. no no i you know i would say that Sunshine is the type of sci-fi sci-fi thriller that if you like some kind of movie, I can find a way for Sunshine to be like that movie. Yeah, that's true. You know, like like what's your favorite sci-fi? Somebody says, "Oh, I like Moon." Okay, great. <laughs> or uh, Yeah, there's a lot of cro- crossover. Yeah, there. or it's, or it's... I like 2001 or I like Gattaca even. I can say, "Well, you know, Gattaca's about you know, uh, the struggle for, for advancement in society and, and, and humanity. And, and this is like that too, but it takes place like in space where he was headed, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And it's just one of those movies that has so many layers going on. I could kind of just say, what kind of movies do you like? Cool. Those are the hooks I'm going to pull <laughs> to get you right. hooked into Sunshine to watch this movie. And you'll watch it for that thing. And you will see that thing. It will be there. And you will love it, that part of this movie. But then there's going to be all these other things that you weren't expecting, which are going to be great too. That's true because I think you could look at this movie in a really basic sense and just say it's, you know, people on a mission to restart the sun. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, the first, I guess the first mission went nuts and inevitably they do too. And so... You know, that's all that's happening. Or you can see all these other layers that we're talking about. So you can kind of choose to see it that way or not, yeah. you know. And so I think it, it in that sense, you could have a broader audience there, depending on how you frame what the movie is. So, yeah, I think it'd be good to know, like, what kind of movies do you yeah, like? That's, yeah, this that's, is a test. Yeah, that, that's true. <laughs> like, Sunshine, you can't really, like, pitch Sunshine and it fit all audiences. You really have to kind of know what the person likes before you tell them about Sunshine. Because Sunshine is... Because there's so many different aspects to it, it's really tough to say, oh, it's a, you know, space thriller. It's like, hey, sure. It's also a monster movie. It's also this. It's also a a look into the human psyche when it comes to all-powerful beings like the sun, you know, like. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and, and, you know, I I was thinking a lot about, uh, before we started recording, uh, Matthew Malice, who was our guest on the Aliens episode we recorded at Dragon Con. Yeah. You know, he he knew a lot about aliens. He's really passionate about that film. And he said he saw this movie in theaters, too. And, you know, I, I it made me while we we're talking about it, I was mentioning aliens a lot, you know, or aliens. Yeah, uh, because it's like, yeah, I think you're right. I think depending on what your bent is, you can kind of see it in those different ways. And, yeah, I can clearly see how somebody that likes alien or aliens would like this movie oh, yeah. just aesthetically alone oh, yeah. you know it's very uh, similar uh, interstellar you like interstellar awesome right. sunshine couple of humans on an impossible mission <laughs> like and yeah. you're gonna learn a lot about them and you're not gonna like everything you see <laughs> true yeah. yeah yeah no i think it's a movie people should really check out 
you know, we mentioned earlier that there's a lot of people I've talked to that haven't seen it. I highly recommend seeing it if you're into sci-fi at all. Yep. Uh, because I think you, like you mentioned, it does, uh, influence a lot of other films since then and it's been a while like go back and see all your favorite marvel actors i think there's when we talked about it uh there's um let's see let me count them Uh, yeah how many of these people have been in marvel (laughs) at least three because uh that hiroyuki sonata yeah i think he's been in them uh chris evans and benedict wong yeah i was about to say so yeah. yeah i mean that's a disturbingly high percentage it is. Because um, this movie only yeah. has like nine people in it. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's why I'm like, you know, I feel like I could hook people with that alone. Just like, you like Marvel, I know that. So like, this, go see these guys. Chris Evans alone would be like enough. Yeah. He looks like unrecognizable. Oh, totally. Cat, totally. Yeah. I like, I yeah. see Chris Evans today as like, no. <laughs> when he shaves his head, I'm like, okay, we're getting into Snowpiercer territory. <laughs> now I recognize him. Like, it took me a minute, you know? Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Well, David, this has been super fun. Yeah. I'm so glad you picked this movie. I'm dead serious because, like, I haven't seen it in such a long time, but it's a movie that I enjoy. And you know how sometimes there's those movies you're like, I want to sit down and watch this, but you're like, I know it's going to be, you know, I guess I don't want to say like a super serious film, but I know I'm going to need to pay attention yeah and so sometimes you're like oh i'm just gonna put on a youtube video or whatever that's you know? yeah and so it's like this forces me to sit down and watch a movie that i genuinely love yeah so i'm glad you picked it yeah, yeah. exactly if you if you doze during movies this is not the one for you folks no yeah you would miss a lot <laughs> yeah, you really need to <laughs> be watching there's it. there's already yeah. not a lot of answers so you don't want to miss yeah <laughs> yeah well, uh, David, you, you've got to think about, you know, the next time I'll, I'll let you, I, I will say I've, I've been, I mentioned this on previous episodes, but I have been making people pick like horror, even if they're not horror fans like David. Yes. So I, I was like, I even gave him an out of like, if you want to skip, you can, we can do it later. Nope. Nope. I, hey, horror. you give me, I, so, I have my one horror film and this is the one. And I was, uh, and it was A even sci-fi. people <laughs> have said no. So just so you know. Nice. <laughs> They're like, I'm not picking one. I'm like, cool, cool. We'll come back yeah. November. It'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so uh, we'll have to go with your next true choice. Um, not that you don't love this movie, but we'll, you know, we'll, we'll pick one that's a little less horror yeah yeah no i i already can't wait like it coming on your show is so much fun and folks if you haven't already i strongly strongly recommend reach out to lisa say hey i love this movie and i want to talk about it because yeah i don't say that enough it's such a fun fun thing like you you make it so easy you kind of tell me what we're going to talk about going in so i know what to make sure i'm knowledgeable on and then we (laughs) just get to gush about the movie it's so much fun yeah, I had a Chelsea was on recently and she's like, it's so easy. I just get on there and talk. I'm like, yeah, that's all I want you to do. Just talk about how you feel about it. You know, you don't have to feel like you have to have a thousand facts. I'll take care of facts. But if you want to bring some to you can. But yeah. yeah. And I don't say that enough that there's really no requirements. You know, there's not you don't have to have podcasting experience. Right. You don't even have to have heard of a podcast. Right. Um, I, I don't know how you would be listening to this and not have heard one but you know what i mean yeah yeah theoretically if you have a friend you want to recommend you know but yeah like definitely reach out and uh speaking of that david how can people find you Ooh, thank you uh so yeah i also do a podcast and uh, again it was uh deeply inspired by i love that movie so there is some similar uh, themes going on in my podcast Uh, mine's called high shelf gaming you can find us on twitch and twitter and youtube and facebook all under high shelf gaming um 
And so it's all about tabletop gaming, role-playing games, gaming conventions, that kind of thing. Uh, it's it's a lot of fun. We just have a great time with it. And uh, we, like you, have a very like engaged community. Folks come on and play games with us. Um, we stream those games. We talk about those games. And it's a, it's a really fun time. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. No, I love your show. I wish... I just, I don't play any games. No, I get it. So I'm like, I would be, I feel like I need to like start though. Well, no, it's, you know, one of those things like this is my little passion and I totally understand like other people want to like do cross stitch and they want to do other stuff and they should do that. (laughs) They absolutely should do that. I want to play board games and role playing games. And so I got to make this show about it and um, it's such a fun project and I'm really glad that you encouraged me because I don't think I would have done it had I not known you. And you kind of told me like, no, it's, this is totally a doable thing. You should go and do it. And then it was, it was a lot of fun. So thank you for that. Well, I'm super happy to hear that. I'm so glad that you're doing that. Your community is so cool. You guys have done some really awesome things. You have awesome merch. It's really, really awesome. You guys need to check his show out Ah, for sure. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Would love, would love to cross pollinate for sure. Yes. (laughs) Um, well, I guess that that's the end of our show. So thanks again for coming on. Yeah, thank you. It was always a blast. 